Father God, we are truly thankful for all the many blessings we uh, enjoyed and experienced in 2020. You were faithful to us. And every time that we had a need, God, you answered our prayer. Every time, God, you listened to us, you, you stepped in and you worked. And God, you have blessed uh, this ministry beyond our imagination. If we think about of all the things that we went through for almost a whole year of just, just the drama of different things from politics to uh, the riots to pandemics to even personal things and issues that we've uh, experienced and how it seems like we were hit on every side but father you were faithful to us and you have blessed us you have blessed us you have given us as we look at in a in the year in review you have done wonderful wonderful things for us You've brought new people. You've increased our finances. You have protected us. You have delivered us. So thank you for that. In 2021, Lord, we, we go forward. We know that, God, you are already there, and you're waiting for us. And you will bless us. You will take care of us. And we do pray that, uh, that our witness in this uh, community will continue to, to grow. And may we have peace. And there may be storms ahead of us, but may we trust you. And uh, as, as you were in the boat with the disciples and their faith was weak, may our faith be strong that we will trust you. We will believe that you'll provide for our needs, guidance and wisdom, whatever they may look like. And Father, I want to say a special prayer for Nova, who is in the hospital and uh, with the uh, health issues that she's been uh, recovering, bless the parents, encourage them, and uh, thank you for um, the care that has been given to her. We just continue to pray for our different ones, for the churches. Some churches have been hit hard through this pandemic, and the one in um, Satakoy, God bless them, encourage them, protect them, may things go well for them. We ask your blessings upon family members and friends that are, are, are sick. And just raise them up, Lord. We'll trust you. We'll follow you. We will uh, do uh, what you ask us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand and let's worship today. All right, that first Sunday in 2021. Please stand with us.
thank you for this day, and we thank you for your blessings as we enter this new year. We know that you let us start over, not only in the beginning of each new year, but every single day as you are our Lord and Savior. We come to you in hope and in faithfulness and with love each and every new day. Lord, please bless our community and help us to grow together in understanding and help us always love one another as Jesus loves each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love hearing uh, new people that are fairly new in the Lord um, praying, and it just blesses our hearts. Uh, Again, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. I thank you for the opportunity to be gone and to be with my family, and uh, we survived each other, and uh, we had a wonderful time. I had five grandkids. The oldest one was, uh, I think she's six, seven, and the youngest one was about three months old, and so we had uh, all little ones running around, so it was lively. We actually had to take a few days to just recuperate from, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It just it's a me time to just, okay, uh, before we got back into uh, uh, the, men, the service and, and all that, so... Thank you for allowing us to be gone. My wife is over in the children's ministry helping teaching uh, the class over there. And uh, so uh, she is here. All right. So this morning, we're going to talk about marriage roles. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 and turn in if you got notes, you'd like to follow along in notes. Uh, I heard about this uh, two brothers that were talking about their parents and they had been discussing about the, the blessing of the internet, you know, and how, how so many cool things are going on the internet. And, and they got to thinking about their parents. And they said, you know, mom and dad, uh, I wonder if they ever got bored in their marriage, you know, but because they didn't have the internet. Now, all the things we can do with the internet. And, and one of the brothers said, well, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll ask uh, our 26 brothers and sisters about that question. Yeah. So this morning we're going to talk about marriage roles. It's been a while since we've been in 1 Peter, and we plan to finish up this book at the end of this month. And so we're going to do a brief review. Peter is a pastor, probably one of the first pastors of Jerusalem, and is believed that he ends up in Rome. Writes the letter to be circulated among five churches in Asia Minor. Now this would be the present-day a country called Turkey. This letter is meant to help the churches as they were experiencing great times of suffering because of persecution, because being a Christian. And so the message of 1 Peter is, is a very timely message for us, it's a timely message uh, for any generation. But as we go through difficult times, 1 Peter has a message, the theme of hope in the midst of suffering. And so when we go through difficult times, 1 Peter would be a great book to go through because the word suffering is mentioned over and over again, the theme about having encouragement, having hope in the midst of suffering. And so we'll finish up this, as I said, this, this book 
uh, end of the, uh, January will be done by January, Lord willing. And so, but we're in 1 Peter chapter 3, okay? 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to go ahead and read the text. Uh, we're going to take this message in a two-part series. We're going to talk about the wives' role, and then next Sunday, we're going to talk about the husband roles. Now, wives, you don't have to stay home. You come here, take notes, so that you can pass on to your husband. That's, that's the way this works. Uh, just teasing. First Peter chapter 3. All right, I'm going to read. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. And I'm reading now the ESV. So be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, by the conduct of their wives. And when they see your, your respect and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external in the braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husband, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor the woman as the weaker vessels, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So we're going to look at six verses, and uh, then one verse for seven. You say, well, why is six verses for the ladies? Not that they have more diff uh, needing the more teaching, but I think they have the more difficult part in the role of marriage. And so uh, we're going to look at those six verses. So as we can see in this passage, it's talking about marriage, a wife's relationship to her husband and the husband's relationship to the wife. Now, the big issue for the wife is to have a submissive spirit towards her husband. And the difficult times, the rub of times when you think your husband is wrong. And in this difficult time, then there, there are this, this, this tension that builds because of this. And so the big issue is to have a submissive spirit towards your husband that respects his God-given place of authority. And for the husband, he is to have a compassionate spirit towards his wife, like Christ loved the church that honors her. You may be, that uh, excuse me, honors him. You may be single here. You're not married. And say, well, I'm going to, you know, check out. Well, don't check out because we, there's something here for you. We're all products of this thing called marriage. If you were born out of wedlock, your mom and dad were trying to figure out how to do this relationship. And getting married makes a huge impact on our lives. So we go to God's word to learn how a successful marriage works. We need to hear this instructions if you're single because one day that you may get married. Or you may be able to help someone in marriage. But all these principles that we're talking about in marriage also, um, they can be... Uh, moved over into other areas of our life that will help us to be a better person and growing in Christ Jesus. So, so we're talking about marriage. And let me say this about marriage. Marriage 
can be at times really difficult. Marriage is a hard work. Marriage at times can be um, extremely intense and difficult. You know, you literally have to, sometimes it seems like you have to fight to make your marriage work. Not fight as far for each other, but you you got to persevere. We have a small group in our church that, uh, that meets every Sunday morning, led by Ed and Sandy, and it's about, about a marriage, how, how to make marriage work, and it's a marriage class. They do a wonderful job with that. So marriage needs a fighting through marriage. You know, when I got married, um, you know, and I, I grew up in a Christian home, church, and I just thought, you know, hey, once you get married, once you get her down the aisle, once she says you do, uh, she does, and you do, and, and all that, and, and that's it, then, hey, the struggle, the intents of the things that we went through in our dating relationship, it's over with. I mean, it's just, it's just you can just put it in coast and just sit back and just let the marriage go. <laughs> well, we know how that worked out. Marriage can be difficult, and the reason is this. We're all born a sinner with a selfish heart. You see, marriage brings two people together who are sinners, and they have a selfishness that is there. And demand, and God demands that they be united as one in marriage. You take two kids that are both selfish with the same toy, and you say, all right, I want you guys to work it out together. It's difficult for them to do that, and it's difficult for us. But marriage can be difficult because of that selfishness that is there, and uh, being a sinner is there. We are by nature wanting our ways, and, and, and then God allows us to have an enter into a place of marriage, and it is as, as a place, a means to mature us out of our selfishness. So my friend, if you're going through difficult times as your marriage, but understand that that's pretty normal. All marriage grow. All marriage goes through those difficult. And if, if you're not married and you get married, then you say, well, my goodness, I didn't understand how the difficult can be to learn how to live with somebody. Is that we have in ourselves a selfish nature. That God has to work that out of us. And it is a, a work by God. You see, God meant marriage to be powerful and it's for our own personal growth, and it's a tool to teach our kids and grandkids what unselfishness looks like. So marriage is beautiful. Marriage is wonderful. Marriage is good. God designs marriage to mature us in our strength, to be stronger because we're together. Timothy Keller wrote a book called The Meaning of Marriage, and he says this, if your marriage is strong, even if all the circumstances in your life around you are filled with trouble and weakness, it won't matter. You'll be able to move out into the world in strength. So we go through things in life, and I think that's why one of the reasons why Peter put this in there is to help the relationships 
And our, our closest relationship, if you're married, is going to be that marriage relationship. And out of that marriage relationship, you, you gather together in strength. And then you can start raising kids as you have kids. And out of that marriage relationship, not only kids, but then you can be good neighbors. You can be a good uh, servants of Jesus Christ. You can be a great witness. And, and the church becomes more healthier because of those healthy marriages. God looks at marriage as a beautiful gift, not a, a, a beautiful gift to us, not only to change us, but to bless our lives. When a couple grow in their marriage, they become more like God. As God loves his children unconditionally, a godly marriage is one of the most beautiful pictures in how Jesus Christ loves the church and how the church submits to Jesus Christ, found in Ephesians 5. So let's get into our First Peter chapter 3. What's it saying about marriage? You know, and, and there is something for everyone. You don't have to be married to not get something out of this. But God gives us some instructions here that are very important of marriage role to make a successful marriage. And so this is given. And this is given as, as not as a means to, for ammunition, for for you to get, use against your spouse, you, you know, don't go home and say, you know, listen, you got to obey me now. I heard what the pastor said. Or, or it's not uh, for the wife, you know, as, as we hear the instruction next week, is, is not to throw that in the face of, of our spouse, not to be ammunition to belittle uh, your spouse. Just simply, let's listen to this, wives. Husband, let's just let the Holy Spirit work in their hearts because God is working in your heart and in their heart, and we don't have to play the Holy Spirit. They will, will come to and understand this. You don't have to be the one to help them. Linda. The Holy Spirit will do this. So Peter says in verse 1, Likewise, be, wives, be subject to your own husbands. And this simply means to let someone else Take the lead. Lives, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Peter's saying if you're a wife, you are to place your husband in a place of authority in your life, and you're to follow his lead. You're to, to, to put him to a place and elevate him in a place of authority in your life uh, as, as a wife. Now, Please understand this. Peter says that a, a wife is to be subject to her own husband. This doesn't mean that she is to be subject to all men. It's to her own husband. This doesn't put her, put her in a place of, that she's subject to every man. No, what Paul, oh, excuse me, Peter is saying here, it's to her husband. So, so when you go to the workplace, it doesn't mean that, that she has to be subject to all the men at work or school or, or the neighborhood. Does it mean as well? A, a woman can, can be strong, and she can she can uh, fill roles uh, outside of the marriage and, and uh, places of employment and where where she gets involved in. But in the home, in the marriage, she is to put her husband as a place of authority in her life. Understand this as well. This does mean that the wife is less of a person to her husband because she is let she lets him take the lead. 
doesn't mean that it's all. Clearly it says that the wife is equal to her husband. It says that. We just read that. Listen to this. Jesus Christ submitted himself. He was in a submissive position to God the Father. You remember at the prayer in the garden before the cross, he said, nevertheless, your will be done. Just because Jesus was in a position that he submitted to God the Father didn't make him less to the Father. We know that the Trinity is one. They're equal as one. The same goes for the husband and wife. And this doesn't mean that a wife is to allow, always follow her husband and lead no matter what. It just didn't give us a, the full liberty to, for the husband to tell the wife to do everything. and to, uh, doesn't as well. There are times that maybe the husband wants something to do that's against God's word, uh, that, that a sin. Or, or that it bothers your, uh, as, as a wife, it bothers your moral convictions or your moral conscience. God doesn't expect for a wife to go against that. She's not obligated to do so. Remember, we are Christians first and then married second. God is our ultimate authority, our first authority that overrides all, all other authorities. Our identity is not in a person. It is in Jesus Christ. It is in God. As Christians, our identity is in Christ. And anything that messes with that identity in Christ, we are to remove it. We're not to let that come between us and God. And so if your husband would say something that, that comes in between you and your identity with Jesus Christ, we choose to follow Jesus. He is our ultimate authority. And Peter's not saying that only the wives have to submit, that because they never have to submit or come under their wife. Uh, verse 7, we see that states that husbands are to honor their wives, and we can't honor our wives by lording over our wives. There is a mutual submission that is found between the husband and the wife. And Paul said this in Ephesians 5. There's this mutual submission. Then he goes into that great teaching about the Lord and the church and the submission and the dying and the loving for each other. A robust, healthy marriage has two people submitting to each other in two distinct ways that are different from each other that is programmed to meet the needs of earth. God designed marriage. He knows what is needed. He put us together. And truly, and only truly, when we follow God's principles of marriage, can there be oneness? Can there be this unity that comes together, designed by God? So Peter is telling us in the context of his instruction about what makes marriage look. And the baseline of this is there's mutual submission in a godly marriage. The wife is to submit to the husband, yes. But also the husband is to submit to the wife in a different way. And we'll cover that in uh, next Sunday. So I'm going to give you three principles of submission there in your notes. First of all, a call for a spirit of submission to the authorities, to the authorities that God has placed in our lives. So as we've gathered this, as Paul, or excuse me, Peter writes this, he first starts off in verse 1, he says, likewise, the same as is what that means. And so when we back up, we see that there is a submission that is found in chapter 2, 
of the principle of submission that's towards government and our employers. He talks about that. He talks about the, the master and the servant, the, you know, the boss and the employee relationship. He talks about the government authorities and how we're to submit to them. And then chapter 5, as we go on, and at the end of 1 Peter, it tells us that we're to place the church leaders in a place of authority also in our lives as well. We're to submit to them. We're to submit to God. We're, uh, we're to have a spirit of submission first to God and then all these other uh, authorities that God places in our life. Now, this letting the husband take the lead isn't a reward for the husband's good behavior. I want you to get this. This taking the lead isn't, isn't that he has deserved that, earned that right. It isn't because of a reward for the husband's good behavior. As the proper word of the home, God just simply tells us, he commands it, that wives are submit to their husbands. Second principle, submission to authority can be totally consistent with equality. I say this again, it's important to, uh, that there is not this degrading, just be, it makes them a lesser person, a lesser value. That is not true at all. We'll say more about that. Number three, submission in marriage follows the same principles as submission in other areas of life. In other words, we submit to God-appointed authority as our obligation before God, unless that authority directs us to sin. Unless a, a government would say to the church, you know, you can't do this, and we know what God says we could do. You can't sing. Yes, we can sing. God wants us to sing. He wants us to worship him. He wants us to do the things. And when those things and other areas of life, of authority that go against God's word that we're to obey God. As, as we remember in Acts chapter 4, they told him not to preach. And, and they said, no, we are going to obey God rather than men, and we're going to continue on preaching the word of God. Now let's take a step back and look, go back to the book of Genesis. I want to bring out an important point here. Back to Genesis, back to the garden. There where everything started. Back to the garden to understand that God created man and woman. He created them as equal. You remember, God created them with the same responsibilities and the same means to enjoy the garden. God created man and woman equal in value, equal in uh, dignity and worth. There's equality by God with man and the woman. God created the man and woman equally. Equal in dignity, equal in value, equal in worth. However, God did not call men and women to have the same calling and gifts. He designed each other differently and for purpose. These are God designs. And when people try to change that design and say, you know, I'm really this type of gender and I'm this, and you're crossing those lines. This is wrong because this is what God said. God said, I created you. I made you the way you are. And you are perfect. You're good. And this is wonderful. This is beautiful. And it works. And we live in a broken culture that says otherwise. 
but God created man and clearly defined our, our roles in marriage for the man as a husband and the ladies as wife. The scripture clearly teaches that these roles are different for the husband and wife, but they do not make the woman less than the man or the, or the man le less than the woman. They are to be valued equally the same. The role that God designed for the woman in marriage is to come under the authority of her husband. In Genesis 2.18, when God said this, he said to, to, uh, about the woman, he says it, uh, to, to Adam, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Remember in the, K, the KJV, it says uh, a helpmeet, which is a good um, description of the role of a wife is to be a helper to her husband, but does not mean that she is less because she is in a helper position. It's not mean at all. What does it mean for a wife to be a helper? First, it doesn't mean that the helper is weaker or lesser than the person who they are helping. This word helper is used in two different ways in the scriptures. The first one throughout the scripture used to describe the role of the wife. So the wife is to be a helper to the husband. Doesn't mean that she's less, inadequate, none of those things. She just has a different role, like Jesus had a different role in the Trinity. And so she, she is to play this role. But the word also is used in a different way. The word helper is also used to describe God. Now get this. Look what, God, look what the Bible says about God as a helper. Psalms 54, verse 4. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He comes under us to lift us up. He is our helper, and we praise God for that. We needed him in 2020, and we will need him in 2021 as well. He's going to be our helper. He's going to lift us up. What you're going through, what Brandon and Mallory are going through, that God is going to be a helper through them, through that situation. Isaiah 41, verse 10, the prophet Isaiah says, Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. He's our helper. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What this means that God has a strength. He has what we need to help us. So God comes under us to help us. This is the helper. God is our helper. Hebrews 13, 6. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me? God is our helper. And so being a helper doesn't mean you are less than the one you are helping. It means that you have something that the other needs, that they are lacking, and you have the ability to give it to them, just like God knows that we come weakness, knows what we need, and he comes along inside and helps us. Does that doesn't make God less than us? He just has a strength. He has something that we need. Listen, you ladies, those that have been a mother, she is a helper created by God to fulfill that role to benefit her children. From the moment that baby comes out of the womb, she has the nutrients, the, she has the ability to give life, food from her own body to make that baby to, to grow. She has what that child needs. She is a helper to her children. In the role of marriage, the wife has what her husband needs. 
There was a description of of uh, the wife, um, what the wife provides for the, I mean, for the husband provides for the wife, and there's this long list, you know, he provides protection, strength, you know, and all this, and and a whole list of things that the woman, and and uh, talking about, you know, how that the the, uh, the, uh, the wife can meet the husband needs and all the different things that he needs because we men, we're very needy. I mean, and, uh, but with the one thing that, uh, uh, that uh, said that, you know, one thing that our wives can do, they, they can just stand before us naked and we have all our needs there taken care of right at that moment. <laughs> just saying is that, you know, it's not just talking about physically. Our wives have been designed by God to play the role of a helper to her husband. She possesses more than what the physical beauty. She possesses things that we need. She possesses a strength that a husband needs. She possesses gifts and abilities that her husband needs. She has insights that will help make her, make her husband a better man. And plus, she has all the beauty. She is the last, last being created in creation. She is the crescendo of creation. And she is brought to man, to Adam, as the most beautiful creature, most beautiful being that God created. So Peter is saying that all the wife's strengths, all her gifts, all her courage comes under her husband who desperately needs them. Her role as a helper brings all her gifts, all her qualities, and places them under his husband's authority, not because she is weak, but the opposite. Because she is strong, she has strength that her husband needs. She has that which he is lacking, and she can give, give it to him to make him better. Now, I know there will be those who will Say, well, these instructions in marriage, they're out of date. Uh, we, we arrived in 2020. I don't know, folks. The way our culture is so broken, I don't think that's really a really good thing to really give evidence that we have arrived to a better position. We have so much broken in our culture. But someone might say our culture has progressed passing those, those antique teachings of those way back there, we've transitioned. Or these writings, these writings, you know, it was by Peter, and he was a macho man, or Paul, you know, they didn't have a good view of women. But please understand, when this was written, this letter was written, the culture, when Peter wrote this letter, women were viewed more as an accessory for men. They were viewed as objects of lesser value than men. They couldn't make you know, decisions in court. It was up to the men because they didn't feel like they could make those decisions. And here comes the gospel. The gospel comes with a new uh, teaching. Love your enemies. Do good to those that persecute you. You know, do those, those type of things. And, and, and then it comes to the marriage rule. It says, and the women, they are just as valuable and as precious as anybody, any man. So the scripture revealed a new way to treat women. And the word of God does not make them less. It elevates 
the women, the wives, where the husband is commanded to honor his wife. That was unheard of in this culture. This is a new teaching of how the woman is to be honored. You may say, well, you are a man. And you're just telling the women to, that are married to submit to their husband because you know, that's what men do. Well, let me read you something from a man. I mean, excuse me, from a lady. Let me read you by uh, a little uh, article. It's, it's a little long, but it's from El Elizabeth Elliot. And Elizabeth Elliot was, a, was, a, was married to a guy who loved God and believed that God called him to be a missionary, to go to a, uh, a tribe, leaves in Papua New Guinea, and, and there he they're going to take the gospel. And when, she came, when he came to her, he had, she had this wrestling, should I submit to this? I'm going to go to this foreign country in this place. We're going out in the jungle. And, and she wrestled with this thing about submission. Listen to what she reads. And let me just say this. If, if we go back to Elizabeth and we think about her life, you know, she and her husband went there, and her husband died as a martyr trying to give the gospel to this, this tribe. And then later on, she goes back to the same tribe and meet the same people that put her husband to death. And they, those men, many of those men became believers, uh, the, the very ones that took her husband. Let me, let me read you something. People are always asking me this, what is the business of submission? You're always talking about. We're not really very comfortable with this. Seems kind of negative. Sounds as though women are not worth as much as men. Aren't women supposed to exercise their gifts? Can they ever open their mouths? I wouldn't be very comfortable with that kind of submission either. As a matter of fact, I'm not particularly comfortable with any kind, but since it was God's ideal and not mine, I had better come to terms with what the Bible says about it and stop rejecting the whole thing just because it is so often misunderstood and wrongly defined. Elizabeth writes, I came across a lucid example of what it means in 1 Chronicles 11.10. Of David's heroes, these were the chief men who lent their full strength to his government and with all Israel joined in making him king. There it is. The recognition, first of all, of God-given authority, recognize it, accepting it, that they lent their full strength to it and did everything in their power to make him not them, king, to make him king. Christians, both men and women, recognize first the authority of Christ. They pray, thy will be done. They set about making an honest effort to cooperate with what he is doing and strengthening out the kinks in their own lives according to his wishes. A Christian woman then, in submission to God, recognized the divinely assigned authority of her husband. And again, he didn't earn it. Remember, he, was, he received it by appointment. She goes on to say, she then sets about lending her full strength to helping him do what he's supposed to do, be what he's supposed to be, her head. She's not always trying to get her own way. She's trying to make it, she's trying to make it easy for him to do his job. She seeks to contribute to his purpose, not to scheme how to accomplish her own. And if this sounds suspiciously like some worn-out traditionalist view or worse, like a typical Elizabeth Elliot opinion, test it with the straight edge of Scripture. What does submission to Christ mean? Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as to the Lord. 
This teaching, ladies, is powerful. It has the strength to change your husband. Because we read the rest of this verse in chapter 3, verse 1. It says, likewise, be subject to your own husband. And then it goes on to say, so that if some do not obey the word, whether they were believers or not believers, so that, they, that some of them who may not be walking in fellowship with the Lord, but they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. It is an attention getter. It is a change, a means of changing your husband. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. He said, don't spend so much time on the outside. Pay attention to what is inside. That is where our real beauty your inner beauty comes from. It's so important. Your character, way, what you bring to a marriage is the most beautiful, most important thing that we can bring to a marriage, your character, what's inside. You've heard, you know, they have an inner beauty. They have an inner glow. This is so valuable. All that outward exterior stuff is is good to look up, but what is most wonderful, most important is what is inside, and that gets the attention of the husband. goes on to say, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own. How do you do? It is that, that, that submission, that, that submissive spirit of respect given to a husband as a place of authority in their life. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, we're not expecting you to call each other, your, your, your husband, Lord. But get this. As we'll talk. Just saying that there is this mutual submission that happens. It's wonderful, magical in a marriage. It brings us together. The conclusion of this is we need to get under what God Authority has placed over us. The authority that God's placed over us, we get under that. Whether it's government, whether it's employee, we, we, get, we submit to that authority. And God does wonderful things in that environment. So wives, with God's help, and it may be difficult times, but submit to your husband. Put him as the place of authority. Don't disrespect, disrespect him. If he's trying his best, he's doing things, and he's, he's, he's just a knothead, he's a sinner like you and I are, like we all are. And we have this, this process of working out our own selfishness and, and ha having God be the, the controller, the Holy Spirit control our lives. So next Sunday we'll talk about verse 7. Let's bow your heads and Go to the Lord in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we come to you and there are commands, there are things in the Bible that are difficult to not only just listen to, but and then put them in practice. But help us by faith to trust your word and to believe that we may not be able to fully understand all your commands and all the way you're leading, guiding. But we will trust you that you know better. That you know what it's going to take to make a successful marriage. And so, Father, we ask it for the ladies. Each one, bless them, encourage them. And for those that are single, bless them, encourage them to walk. Their identity is in Christ. They're not lacking anything. They have Christ. We have all that we need. Whether we have a good marriage or a bad marriage, or we're single, we're married, or we have health issues, or rich or poor, we have all that we need through Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. And Father, if there be one among us who's uncertain about the relationship with you, that's in this moment, right now, that they would turn their heart towards you and believe in you and trust you right now. Open their hearts saying, God, I believe in Jesus Christ dying on a cross and giving me all that I need. And I invite you to be my Lord, my Savior, my King, my Counselor. We ask in your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. If we can help you anyway, please let us know. I appreciate your attendance, listening, and uh, I know that the subject gave a heart, but just think of the, it's the beauty, it's the blessing, it's the goodness. The fruit is rewarding as we follow God. We're never wrong to follow what God says. So I'm going to give you one other thing before we have our closing. So I'm going to ask you to stand and we have our worship song. I'm going to ask you, do you know what the purpose of God is for you in your life? And if you are struggling with that, beginning in February, we're going to go through a six-week series talking about God's purpose for our life. We'll have some sign-ups. We'll have some small groups. And we're going to start some small groups. We'll have virtual groups to go through this to know what your purpose is. And so we're going to be doing that fair. We're going to say more about that. We'll have the sign-ups ready to be, to be used for next week. And so we'll be talking more about that. So let's stand. Let's sing one more first. Thank you, Crystal and Joshua, for leading us. And little Jet, baby Jet is a brand-new little baby helping us out there. God bless.
you've stopped the love. 